0: to the Clemson Dudcast, Monday, January 10th, National Championship Day. Got a column today at TigerIllustrated.com. Basically a reminder that even in the midst of a 10-3 season that ended with Dabo Sweeney having Cheez-Its stuffed into his mouth down in Orlando, the fact that Clemson on the biggest stage has two wins over Alabama, particularly in light of Kirby Smart and Georgia's struggles against them, really underscores just the masterpiece of what Dabo Sweeney and company have accomplished here over the last decade. So check out that and more at TigerIllustrate.com. My good friends Blake Smith and Brooke Archenhold have been part of the podcast since the beginning, way back in August of 2018. They have an accomplished team of personal injury attorneys at Parm Smith, and Archenhold based in Greenville. They are Clemson people, and their skillful attorneys have decades of experience in complicated litigation matters, taking a special interest in medical malpractice, nursing home abuse, and neglect, car accident cases that have left the individuals involved in serious trouble. For a free consultation at Parm Smith, and Archenhold, call 864 04581 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. If you're in the Eastern Midlands and PD area, and you're in any way interested in buying and selling a home, Com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experienced team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to discoverharris.com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Okay, in reaction to last week's big news that Todd Bates was out, Nick Eason was in, Clemson grad, very popular figure. Reached out to Rick Stockstill, the guy who recruited him, and Bryant McNeil, who was basically his best friend during those days at Clemson and beyond. We'll start with Coach Stock. Here we go. Enjoy. Hey coach.
1: Hey Larry, how are you,
0: bud? I'm great. I appreciate you making time for me. Yeah, man. Everything okay in your neck of the
1: everything's, woods? Everything's great, brother. How are you?
0: Doing good. Crazy times. <laughs> Crazy times in college football.
1: Yeah, this uh, this portal, this NIL stuff, it's uh, completely changed the landscape of what we all grew up in.
0: And it's like, It's not like you can put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's like it's going to have to happen like organically with you know future players just seeing the statistics of what happens when you leave and you don't graduate and all that stuff.
1: It's I don't know if they'll see it. I think they look at that. I think they look at it. You know, they see one guy get something, and that can be me. And uh, you know, so it's it's just crazy.
0: It's really sad to be honest with you. Well, I mean, Dabo gets crucified for it, but his concern is the graduation rates are going to go down because you're even the players who do find a home. The progress toward degree and all that at your next school. I mean, what are the chances that you graduate from that?
1: You know, I, I get a D at Clemson. Okay, I get a D at Clemson and I want to transfer to Middle Tennessee. Well, we're not going to accept those D's, so now you got to take that class over. Yeah. You know, it just, you know, this, the, I mean, the trans, the portal deal, it's like free agency, like everybody says in the NFL, but in the NFL, there are rules, you know, that those teams have to abide by during free agency. And with this portal, there are no rules. Uh, you know, we could play Clemson, and I go up to the quarterback after the game and say, man, you're a great player. I'd love to have you here. I wish we had somebody like you, you know. And Dabo yells at him the next game, and then he goes in the portal. Then he calls Stock and says, hey, you know, you said you could use somebody like me. I want to come. So it's – uh it's just a crazy, crazy world.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, um, if we could start with Nick, um, did you recruit him? Yes. What are your records? I
1: I love Nick Eason. When I saw that guy was leaving to go to, uh, Oklahoma, I called Nick. I said, Nick, what do we have to do to get you involved? You know, in the Clemson deal. And, um, I love Nick. I recruited him. Uh, you know, his story out of high school, uh, you know, just how hard he worked and everything, academics, football, basketball when he played, just his work ethic, his his character, his mom, his grandmother, uh, you know, just his whole family you fall in love with and just uh, he was a very, very mature kid at 17 or 18, you know, when I met him for the first time there in Toons County. And uh, then him coming to Clemson there and, and coaching him, well, I didn't coach him, but, you know, watching him and then, playing in the NFL and then coaching in the NFL, just the amount of respect and admiration that I have for Nick Eason is, you know, is incredible. Just he's, uh, he'll have such a positive impact on that program, not only as a coach, but, uh, the way he'll impact those players, um, uh, you know with his experiences as a player with his experiences of what he's experienced growing up uh i don't know you, you there there's just a great hire you know uh you know just a phenomenal hire he's a he's he'll do such he loves that program he loves that university you know and just um I just respect that man so much. I've watched him coach when he coached here at the Tennessee Titans. I watched him coach I went to NFL games when he played you know there you know, with the Steelers and whatnot and just uh, he he continues to give back to his community back home. Uh, he's just a he's a great father, a husband he's just he's a great man and I respect the heck out of him.
0: So it sounds like you and he have kept in really close touch. If you, if the first person you thought of when you heard that Todd Bates was going to Oklahoma was Nick,
1: yeah, and, and um, you know I try to stay in touch with all the guys that I've coached throughout my career, and um, you know Nick called me last night. You know I, I sent him a text. I said congratulations, I love you, and he called me back. We talked for about thirty minutes. You know just you know, about the whole process and how excited he is, uh, to get going there. And, you know, talked about, you know, how tough it was, you know, leaving Auburn and, um, you know, the players, the families that he'd coached and recruited, and he was only there a year. And, um, that shows you what I, t- I told him, I said, that shows you what kind of man you are. Nick shows you what kind of coach you are, that you truly care about your players. Uh, and uh, that you were concerned enough about how they were going to feel about you leaving. And, um, you know, so he he does things the right way. And uh, like I said, I, I couldn't be happier, you know, for a guy to, to get this opportunity.
0: The account that I got was that he initially turned Davo down on Monday and that on the reasons that you just specified – on his loyalty to Auburn and the relationships he had there. And that made Dabo say, I want you even more now because of the basis for your wanting to stay. Uh, And then Dabo came back at him. Is that the account that, does that match with your understanding of it?
1: You know, I never got to that, Larry. I never asked, you know, Nick never said I turned him down, you know, and all that. But, You know, he said it was a, you know, a couple day process. So that probably makes sense. But knowing Nick, you know, and, you know, his loyalty, um, you know, kind of goes back to, you know, the recruiting part. You know, we were really the only, we were the first ones, you know, to offer Nick. And, you know, and I recruited him, you know, hard, you know, for that year whatever it was and you know they started getting you know a bunch of offers there and you know he he stuck with us and uh because of his loyalty and uh so what type of man he is so i don't know if that's the exact what happened but it doesn't surprise me because you know like i said nick is uh nick is what you want your son to be coached by
0: How early in the recruiting process did you guys offer him and 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 take such interest in? You know,
1: it's changed so much since back then. Back, you know, back then you weren't offering guys. You know, when they were a sophomore, when they were a junior. You know, back then it was you went out in the spring and you know you found your guys. Camps weren't what camps are now. You know, where guys all the one day camps you know, coming as a ninth grader and all that. So the recruiting landscape has changed, you know, a great deal. So uh, I would say that May, you know, because I only think back then, I only, you, like now you can go out April 15th. Back then I think it was just the month of May, you know, so, you know, probably there in May when I went by Toombs County and that was my area and, you know, Watched him practice, and that's when we offered him then.
0: So, who who were the, some of the other schools that eventually jumped on board?
1: Oh hell, we didn't <laughs> say. Uh, when, and I, I, don't, I, don't I don't. I mean, I'm sure. I, I mean, that was a hundred years ago. But you know, <laughs> I'm sure, probably, you know, all the the Georges and Auburns and all those guys, you know, came in on them. You know, that's back then. That's who you usually recruited against. You know, Georgia, Florida, you know, Florida State, Auburn, uh, you know, that area. It wasn't the national recruiting wasn't like it is now because, you know, you you didn't have huddle. You know, you you know, people in California couldn't see a kid in South Georgia. Uh, Now they can click a button and you can see kids anywhere in the world. And uh, so it was more uh, geographically, uh, you know, recruiting back then. You know, you, South Carolina, Clemson, Georgia, Georgia, uh, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Florida State. You know, that's who you competed against.
0: I wasn't around back then, but I'm reading about I'm reading about him, so I'm learning more about him now. It says that his both of his parents had master's degrees, uh education was a big emphasis and motivation. What what struck you immediately in the recruiting process about this guy that he, he was just different, this kid?
1: Well his mom was a school teacher. She was an elementary school teacher and uh Nick wasn't and, and I hope I'm I'm not saying anything I'm not allowed to say, but Nick wasn't a very good student. And I shouldn't say wasn't a good student, didn't have very good test score. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the reasons I admire him so much, how hard he worked and what he set his goal to score on that test. And he kept taking it and he got it. He finally got what his goal was long after he qualified, Uh, you know, from a test score standpoint. And, um, you know, cause back then it didn't, you didn't have to, you know, the sliding scale, I don't think it had started yet. You know, it was a, anyway, but just how hard he worked academically to, to achieve his goal, what he wanted to score on that test. Uh, his mom, uh, his grandmother, how much you know they pushed him academically um, just um, you know, and then when he got to Clemson, I mean it was never you know you you go over in the meetings, you start talking about academics, and you know when Nick Easton's name came up, you could you know think about something else because. He was always going to be doing what he was supposed to be doing and uh, you know so but, yeah his mom, his family, you know and, and he's so involved in the church, uh, you know his brother uh, it just 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 a great family.
0: Tim Beret sent me this text. he said, uh, when Billy D was running Vickery. Billy D also oversaw community service, and in those days, each school picked a top six award for the top six student athletes in doing community service. Nick was only Nick was the only one selected in any sport five times.
1: Nick cares. Nick has a great heart. Uh, Nick is a whatever he played. In the NFL, how many years? However many years he coached in the NFL, he still goes back to Lions, Georgia, Toombs County, Georgia, and puts you know just does stuff. You know, not just football camps for little kids, but he's constantly going back and giving. And uh, I go back. He's what you want your son. Uh, to be coached by. He's what you want your daughter to marry. And uh, he's just a, he's a good man. He's got a good heart. He cares about people. Uh, You know, and the football part, you know, takes care of itself. And, uh, but he's, he's everything that, that you want your son, your daughter to grow up to be like. And uh, again, the respect level that I have for Nick is off the charts.
0: What's the most indelible memory you have of him from his playing days?
1: Oh man, just, uh, I don't know. Just, just how, how hard he worked. I mean, he came to Clemson. I bet he wasn't 205, 210 pounds, you know? And then he, he just, he worked You know, uh, his his work ethic, his dedication, his commitment to to being great at everything he did, uh, you know, was constant. It never, you know, it was never, you know, he worked this semester, but he didn't do anything this semester. He worked this week. He didn't do anything the next week. He just, and... You know, heck, he, he ended up playing the NFL over 300 pounds, you know, and you think about that, you know, I don't know what he was when he left Clemson, but I bet it was 250, 260, 70 pounds and just how hard he worked to develop his body. Uh, what a great leader he was, the players respected him because of how hard he worked and what kind of person he was off the field.
0: I gotta ask you one question. I've always, over the last decade, as um, you know, as Dabo's taking this thing and doing what he's done, I, I always or I regularly think back and ask myself the question: What if Stockstill did not go to East Carolina in '03? How would things have been different uh, if for Clemson? Because Dabo, he had been out of coaching for two years when he came when Tommy brought him here. So, so I don't know if he could have survived a third year out of coaching as far as getting back in it.
1: Yeah, you, you never I mean, you, you never know. I mean, it's... Um, um, some guys are out of it a month and can't ever get in it, can't get back. And some guys are out, you know, three or four years and get back. So you, you never know about that. But, you know, Dabo's done a you know, a fantastic job and, you know, really, you know, admire, you know, what they've done because I was there. And and we always said, you know, the thing that that Clemson lacked is, you know, we had an SEC stadium, but everything else, you know, people, you know, we didn't have. And, um, you know, when, when they built the facility and, and, and um to me that was a game changer there and on top of you know, Dabo and those coaches and everybody doing a good job also. I'm not just saying it's because of you know, building a building, but that had a had an awful lot to do with it. But no, Dabo's done a done a great job and um uh, you know uh, really respect and admire what he's done and uh what what the whole uh you know that that whole football program. You know those, because I I I don't know as many now, uh, but there at one time, you know I knew a lot more of the coaches. You know there now than than what I do now. Even though I, you know, Streeter's there. I know him. Tony Elliott, you know, was was there, and I coached him. Um, you know, Danny Pierman, You know he, you know I've known him forever, and you know so. You know, you still, Woody and I coach together, but you, you still have some people there that you know. But, um, you know, just you, I, I respect the heck out of what they've done. Football season is grilling season, and Jack Oliver's pool, spa, and patio is South Carolina's premier source for the big three. Weber, Traeger, and Big Green Egg Grills. Blackstone Griddles, too. I'm Jack Oliver. Grill all your tailgate favorites to perfection with a premium gas, charcoal, or pellet grill, then top it all off with something sizzling from your Blackstone Griddle. For grills, griddles, patio furniture, hot tubs, and saunas, shop in store or online at Jack Oliver's Pool Spa and Patio, Forest Drive in Columbia, and jackoliverpools.com.
0: Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as ITTE members. Matt Gross is a proud Clemson alum and the vice president for the Clemson market for Founders Federal Credit Union. Matt's office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parm, Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate law. Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them, preparing residents' Or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864-326-3507. Solero Communications, formerly known as Tandem Payment, is a full service integrated electronic payments provider powered by Leading Edge Technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions, simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance, and getting support quick and easy at Solero. They're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at solerocommerce.com. That's c-e-l-e-r-o commerce.com. Okay, happy to be joined by former Tiger Bryant McNeil. What? Uh, first of all. What are you up to these days? Maybe, uh, I guess, get everybody up to speed on, on what you're doing.
2: Oh, well, um, I'm back at my alma mater, Swansea. And I'm teaching and, and I'm coaching football. But, okay. Uh, and uh, well, I was at North High School. I was the head coach for, you know, a couple of years. But I've been at Swansea since then.
0: Okay. And, um... I guess, what? when did you decide to get back into or get, get into coaching and get back into football and what was that process like? Uh, I've been
2: doing this since about 2000 and i am say 10. Uh, I got a call. I actually got a call from uh, one of the coaches here and he, he I think it was Don Lewis at the time and he called me and asked me would I be interested in coming here and, uh, you know, possibly uh, getting in the education system and I said, yes, I would and, uh, I went through the routes, and you, know, you know, I start. I actually started that year, 2010.
0: Okay. Um, a lot of the former players I talked to over the years, a popular topic is is the the transition away from playing the game. Um, when you spent your whole life being defined by something, and whether you make the transition at age. 22 or 28 or 32, Mm -hmm. it's still a really hard transition that maybe people don't understand how hard, how difficult it is just because uh, you're having to do something totally different. Can you maybe reflect on what that was like for you and just sort of your unique uh, experience with that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you know, kind of surprising. I'm surprised, I mean surprised seeing, uh, behind the scenes with how coaches did things and all the work they put in behind the scenes even at the high school level you know you know when I played you know I just showed up and everything was there like uniforms washed and fields marked and stuff like that and you know I really didn't realize how much film they actually watched over the weekends until I started doing it Yeah, and I realized all the all the hours they put in and then they had to you know, I do not they paint the field like I never saw my high school coach paint the field, but the field was always painted. We didn't even know who did it, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of just done, but then I realized, oh, this is when they paint the field, <laughs> you know, after practice on Thursday. You know, they spend three hours to paint the field. I don't know why,
0: so it was, it was kind of interesting. I mean, and so go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say so so you're painting the field on a regular basis now, I guess, is what you're saying
2: um it kind of sort of, the whole staff is you know we are, I actually coach two sports here, so I kind of get uh, get get out of painting the field because I do basketball too, I'm the head basketball coach, so they they kind of give me a bow on that cause I have to do basketball and stuff,
0: so I get away you're, but, the, uh, you're the head we, basketball coach I uh, am yeah. okay, awesome. And how 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 many years have you been the head basketball coach?
2: This is actually my second year. Uh, my sister, well, it's, I should say it's, it's the girls, but my sister actually uh, was the coach here for eight years, nine years, and then uh, her daughter, Janae, she actually went to Clemson, was going to Clemson to play. She went to watch her play, and and you know she just had another baby, so she kind of it kind of taught
0: me into
2: doing it here. So, okay. <laughs> so, so this is my second year doing it, actually.
0: What's it, I mean, being an assistant coach is one thing, but what is it like running your own show? How different is it?
2: Well, you may pretty much have to make all the decisions, and, you know, it, everything falls on your name, basically. So, you know, if something's not done, it, it, they, they question me. So you have, to be, you have to be on it, and, uh, you know, make sure everything's done. I mean, it's a lot of responsibility. Even though it's high school basketball, it's still a lot of responsibility. Nowadays, this is the big thing. Summers, I mean, summers, we go throughout the whole summer, basketball and football. You know, football was four days on the field. You know, to, to an hour and a half in the weight room, an hour on the field, past the league on Thursday, basketball, we're doing summer league. I think we play what, 15 games in practice, weights. So, you know, that's what everybody's doing these days.
0: So... What do you think about the specialization of sports, of, of, you know, one sport now? Obviously, there are benefits in terms of whatever you're specializing in. By the time that guy gets to college, he's more developed than than maybe he would have been 20 years ago when he's playing three sports what are the drawbacks of the specialization sort of craze
2: I think they all kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm like a, I believe in multi-sports you know especially you know look at the size of the school I'm in I mean I'm at Swans we're 3A school we probably got 2A numbers and you know small community and you know your best athletes probably play football and then they play basketball they run track so it's hard to take your best athlete and specialize like you look at Greg Williams he plays at Clemson he's from Swansea he was a he's a phenomenal athlete here and uh you know he played football played basketball I'm not sure if he ran track I think he did but you, you got a guy like that you know and he was on he was on a good team I think they won the conference one year so I mean I, I really push for uh, you know multi sports, and I believe they com- complement each other. I mean, with, uh, you know, football, basketball, footwork, and you know, help you be more agile. And you know, I, I really, I really push for that. But I see that you know nowadays you got certain schools, especially the bigger schools, you might have the best athlete. That's all he or she plays is one position, and you know they specialize in that, and they way ahead. You know, you can see that now. Rather, we're Look at the quarterbacks now; they throwing for what three, four thousand yards in the season in high school. Yep. Twenty years ago, twenty years ago, we didn't see that. And the main thing was, I remember mean, when I went to camp. We went. We didn't go. We didn't really go over the summer. We didn't do passing leagues really. It was kind of starting that, but we kind of went into we went into camp two weeks and got the crap beat out of us. I'm talking about three practices a day. And you know we really didn't have all those repetitions, all those exotic routes and stuff. You know to get all that timing in like now. Nowadays you practice the whole summer have the whole offense in. They know it. So I mean they specialize in it, and it takes time away from other sport. Like if you're a quarterback or wide receiver, you might not have time for basketball, you're playing football the whole summer. So.
0: Yeah, you had. I guess where it really shows up, that's that that year long focus. Mm -hmm. One sport is like you have, I mean, Trevor Lawrence won a national championship as a freshman. Uh, Mm -hmm. Bryce Young right now, red shirt. uh, I'm sorry, he's a sophomore, but didn't play last year. First year starter, and he's the best player in the country. You see the the, the catches you see from receivers, the (laughs) one-handed, just ridiculous catches you see on a regular basis. You didn't see that 20 years. I guess, of course, you didn't see as much passing 20 years ago either, Mm -hmm. but you have to think that. That year-long, fo- year-round focus is producing oh, the the this the 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 heightened skill level, I guess you could say, in some mm-hmm. of these crazy, uh, crazy plays they're making.
2: I sit there and watch guys practice one hit catches from a jugs machine. Yeah, they take the jug machine to throw it, just catch the ball <laughs> one hand. I'm like, Get the yeah, I'm like It's Like I, I know you didn't see that in 2000. Yeah, I never saw that.
0: So, what, what do you think, uh, what do you think, coach? I guess Stockstill or coach Bowden or Rodriguez would have said if, if they saw if some of the receivers like Gardner or whoever in one handed catches oh, back it then? Pro- it probably got on them
2: pretty bad. <laughs> 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 what you guys over there doing? You need to be working on this, working on that. <laughs> Grab the ball with two hands, you know, that type of thing. <laughs>
0: So the reason I reached out to you is uh, the return of Nick Eason back to his alma mm-hmm. mater uh, to coach defensive tackles, and uh, a, a word on the street is that is that you're really tight with Nick. So what 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 is that? What's this like for you to see that?
2: Oh yeah, well, that's great. I mean, me and Nick we we were roommates in college throughout college, and we. We, we somehow looked up and got drafted by the same team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, in the same so round, up, right? In the same round. And we ended up being roommates again for a little for a little while at Denver. And uh, you know, uh, you know, we always talk and what's funny is I mean, it's like we always talk about Clemson and going back to Clemson and coaching. And that was one of the things I mean, this is this is way before who mentioned, like hey, maybe one day man, I like to coach here, you know, come back in and coach, you know. And, uh, man, and him actually talked to talk about that when he was, uh, I think with Tennessee Titans, maybe one day, you know, come back to Clemson. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it, it it's, it's really, I, I believe it's a dream for, for him, you know? I mean, I mean, he loves Clemson. We follow Clemson. We always talk. He called me out the game. We discuss, we talk about it. You know, we talk about big games. I mean, I mean, I mean, he's a Clemson guy. I mean, he loves the place and he. He, you know I mean he's excited and everybody's excited for him to come now he told me that it might might happen, I was, I was happy for him man i mean it's that's great i mean with what they would dabble and you know you know the passion he has for that place i think i think it's just great
0: you know I guess it was a week ago today uh when we for when the news broke that Todd Bates was leaving abruptly for Oklahoma, which was a big surprise to me and a lot of others. And then Eason's name was on the radar, but we heard at first that uh, might not happen. And it wasn't until a few days later that we started to piece things together that Dabo went after him, but he had some real indecision uh, about leaving Auburn after just one year. Uh, He had loyalty to the players there, to the recruits, to the, and actually it was his indecision was really a tribute to him in that in today's day and age you have so many coaches who are just bolting for the you know yeah. for a more attractive opportunity whereas he, it seemed like he he really wanted to go to Clemson but he just felt like he didn't want to abandon the commitment that he had made did he was he were you talking with him through that process at all? I'm just curious to whether he shared any of that with you that that's certainly what I've heard from Debo Sweeney and rick stockstill and and others
2: yeah that's um that's that's about it i mean we spoke about that and, and that, that shows his character you know not just up and leave even though he was going to a place that he you know that he that he played at and, and you know he believed in and you know and he 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 felt like he you know he didn't want to just abandon the ship like that at Auburn and he owed the guys there or something. You know, that, that kind of shows his character. And, uh, you know, I respect him for that. Like you say, in this day and age, people leave in the middle of the night and yeah. the players will wake up the next day and he would be like, oh, our coach is gone, what? You know, you've seen that happen. So, I mean, that just shows his character. He's, he's a good guy, man. I mean, Nick, I mean, anybody who knows him would tell you the same thing. I mean, he, he's a great guy. That That, that really... Summed it up for
0: him. You mentioned you mentioned the sort of the trend of you know coaches can leave in the middle of the night. Now players can leave mm-hmm. in the middle of the night too with the transfer portal. Yeah. And I, in talking, if you ask any coach, uh, they say that combined with name, image, likeness, that is just a mess. Um, and yeah. and, and, and yeah. I think the main concern, the legitimate concern, is there are so many guys in the portal right now that. Uh, there aren't going to be enough spots available first of yeah. all um, they won't have a yeah. place to go second of all even the ones that do find a a, a a place to land their chances of graduating are going to be diminished just because of how hard wow. it is to transfer credits and all that stuff as a high school coach looking at all this um, what is your what is your take on on the whole on the landscape right now and I'm not saying that you know, uh, I'm against it or or you should be too. I'm just curious what your what your opinion is from your vantage point, being you know, the coach of a bunch of high school folks.
2: Well, I was always taught or told the whole purpose of the NCAA, how this is about education. To me nowadays, education is the, is been put on the back end. When you have transfer portal and like you say, some of them want to be able to graduate well, it's not about education anymore. You know, I think. I mean, I'm just speaking of my opinion. I, I just think that uh, education's kind of got pushed further, further in the back, and now it's more about you know, football or basketball or you know whatever sport it is. You know, I mean, it's kind of it changes it changes the team from week. I mean, from uh you know year to year, it's it's kind of hard to really keep up with who's who. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, it really is like. I look at college football. You can almost, you know, tell, I mean, you can almost go back and say, "Well, he's playing at Oklahoma, and he's playing at Texas now." You're like, "Wow, he's over here. Who, who's at Oklahoma now?" Or, or vice versa, South Carolina. You get me? It's, you know. But I, I think you know it's not as much about education. It's more about you know, I guess the sport and money. Yeah. <laughs> more than ever. More than ever now. So,
0: is it? is it fair because every time a coach mentions the thing about graduation or, um, or is saying it's chaos right now or saying that um, you know the the one year penalty for transferring should 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 have stayed to sort of keep players from being able to leave mm-hmm. at the drop of a hat there were the there was the, the, the clapback from folks is always, oh, well coaches can leave when they want to, so players should be too. Is that a fair comparison? Uh,
2: no, and I, I've always thought like that. That's not really fair. I I believe in people have to pay their dues. And I, sometimes I believe a coach has paid their dues. Sometimes his coach has been, been played football like Dabble. Look a guy like Dabble. He's played football. He's uh he's worked he's worked a regular job, he's been a a grad assistant and he's been a position coach. You get me? He's went through all the ropes. Yeah. And after a while, you know, they paid the dues. So sometimes you got to go in, you got to work, you got to pay your dues. You got some guys come out of high school, never played, never played a snap in football and they're getting paid. And you know, some, you know, I heard about some of them NIL deals and, you know, uh, I just believe you have to pay your dues. Everybody, you know, I think one thing, this is, uh, one thing we try to make things fair. It's hard to make things fair, you know i was, I was always my high school told me, well, life's not fair. It's hard to make it fair. we make it we try to make everything fair you're not making it fair for everybody you get me yeah so uh uh I believe the coaches most of the coaches pay their dues i mean it is and it is one day a lot of them guys will be coaches, and they have that same opportunity you know to go go leave in the middle of the night to grab a big bucks, you know so that's my take on a lot of times. I mean, you got to look at maturity level, too. I mean, some has got 18, 20, 23, you know, 18, 23 years old on average. I mean, the maturity level, you know, to be able to leave, you get mad, you're upset, you're not playing. I, I take, take my, my, my take at Clemson, you know, I came in as a red shirt, and I didn't, I mean, I got significant playing time at first, but I wasn't a starter. You know, uh, and uh, I didn't start to my junior year, but, you know, you waited your turn. You you kept, you worked, you played, you came every summer, and eventually your, your turn came. You know, so that's the way I look at it. You know, if, if I'm not playing now, I'm not starting now, I'm not happy now, I'm going to work harder. You know? you know, I think the easy thing to do sometimes is say, okay, I'm going to go to the, I'm going over here. Yeah. And if that doesn't work out, then what? I'm going over here. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah you know uh, Billy Davis who was a safety on the national championship team in 1981 he's a good friend of mine and he made the point he said if the transfer portal were around in 1980 he said we would he said we would have there was no way we would have won a national championship he said because they were five yeah. and six in 1980 and he said half the team would have probably transferred out <laughs> after yeah. after that 80 season. <laughs> uh, it would have been amazing. bad in 81. And so mm-hmm. in, in your experience, you, okay, did you and, and Eason come in in the same class? You said you redshirted in, in 98?
2: 98. We did. We were the same class. Same. We signed the same, so, same roommates that year. Coach Stock still recruited us both.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. What was the – so y'all came in, and and I guess that was Tommy West's uh, last – Last year. Last class. Um, What was the recruiting process like? I know that in talking to Stockstill about Eason that they got in on him early, and then the big dogs came in later, but then Nick was loyal to the the ones who offered first. What was your recruitment like in in sort of that process?
2: Well, Stockstill – yeah, Scott recruit, started recruiting me my junior year. And I just it was mainly just letters and phone calls a lot. And uh you know, but uh he was always, you know, he would he would call me I think weekly. And always talked to me and I, I came up a few times like junior day, I think, and a couple of games. I never got to see him, you know. He was a lot going on and so many people there and I was kind of I was kind of one that just kind of stayed in the back anyway, <laughs> a lot of times. But I never really saw him, but uh they officially offered me at North South game. I remember a rich Versace actually Yeah. He came up to me and he saw me and he said, he said, uh, he said, we're going to get you at Clemson. You can get a call from us. And that was it. And they called me that Monday after the game and offered me, uh, officially offered me. So, I mean, it it was, it was, I mean, I was excited. Clemson was where I wanted to go. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I had a rating, but, uh, but uh, I, I had a lot of, I mean, not a lot of officers, I had a lot of uh, schools recruiting me. And my high school coach was a, Coach Maddox. He was a big Auburn guy. We had a guy playing at Auburn, Victor Riley. He was a first-round pick, Kansas City Chiefs. And I think he actually was, and my coach was G.A. on the Auburn staff at one time. He was kind of, he didn't push me. He always talked about me going to Auburn, going to Auburn. Do you, you want to go to Auburn? i like, no, I want to go to Clemson. I, I just, <laughs> I've always been a Clemson fan. And to be honest with you, I don't I, I've always liked the helmets since I was in first grade. I just love helmets <laughs> with the paw on it. And it just I always liked it and so I I went with the crimson that was my school. So may Off for of me it was like my that was my dream. I was all in. So
0: When t- when Wes gets fired in I guess November of your redshirt year in ninety eight, are you thinking are you thinking, man, I might have made it a mistake, or are you thinking I'm sticking with it, and and we're gonna be fine? Well,
2: I'm gonna be honest with you, I never thought about leaving, and I never thought about mistake. I, I mean, I, I I love I love Tommy West. And I thought he was a great guy, and I really was shocked he got fired. Even though it was a bad year, I was kind of shocked because I remember before I, before we signed, he just got like an extension, or right? Somebody got like a one year extension. I don't know what that was about, but I really never thought he would get fired. It was a, it was kind of a shock to me. And, uh, you know, uh, we were upset a little bit, you know, mainly for him because he was such a good guy. And, uh, but uh, never crossed my mind to leave. Not once. Believe me, my parents and my brother, they wouldn't let me leave. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, you're going to go there and you're going to graduate. They would have told me anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I've heard a funny story about Reggie Herring. Uh, I'm sure some of it's been exaggerated, but. The day that West gets fired, <clears throat> uh, Reggie Herring walks out of Jervy, and I think the media was was around Tommy West interviewing him, and Herring uh, yells at the media and says, "Y'all got what y'all wanted." And then he, and then he goes out and he takes his practice gear and he has a shovel and he digs a hole and buries it <laughs> over near the practice fields. Well, <laughs> then he gets retained <laughs> by Tommy well. Bowden, and then he goes back out there and digs it back up. Now, again, that might have been embellished, but it sounds like a it sounds like a great story either way.
2: <laughs> well, I tell you this: I don't know if that happened, but if you told me Woody, that, that that might be something he would have done. I tell you that. It wouldn't surprise me. No, but I can tell you this, he did take his name tag off the door. He ripped it off the wall. <laughs> I know that for a fact, because he was the only coach. And he was, it was funny, because he got retained, and he, his name tag was still gone. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, walking through uh, old Jersey. and his name tag, he taking his name tag down off <laughs> his office.
0: That's fantastic. <laughs> so were you yeah. and Nick, like, instant friends when y'all first met?
2: Yeah. Nick, uh, I'm telling you. Nick actually called me after signing that He called me, and he was already like, I guess as it got closer, I can't remember. It was closer. It was actually closer to us, uh, reporting the to campus. He actually called me about the dorm room and asked me, "Hey, are you gonna bring a TV?" Or you know, <laughs> hey, and this and that. So he, he reached out with me. I'm telling you, that's the type of guy Nick was. I mean, he wasn't shy at all. I mean, it'll be 50, it could be twenty reporters over there. He gonna go. He gonna go talk me, I'm just kind of walk away like, uh, go ahead, <laughs> man. <laughs> it could be a crowd. It could be a thousand people around. And he has to get right up and start talking. That's Nick. Wow. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, we was instant, instant friend. I'm going to tell you, when I first saw Nick, I would, the first thing I thought was his arms. Man, Nick came in with some arms on him. And I said, good Lord, I got I to get big. <laughs> this, I think I was two, 2'10". Wow. He was just at, like two twenty five, two twenty. 220. But I'm gonna tell you, he had the biggest arms when he walked in. I'm gonna tell you, it looked like he just did curls all day long. He was best man. The first day, I said, God, look at the size of this dude. I got to get bigger. <laughs> like, Goodness. You,
0: but uh, you came in at
2: two ten. Oh, I was two hundred ten pounds. Wow. I'm gonna tell you, uh. I was, uh, it was kind of funny because everybody was like, well, you play wide receiver, you play wide receiver. <laughs> I was like, uh, no, it hey, actually, he used to, you know, that was one of the things that just burned me up inside. Like, you know, no, I played defense again. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, uh, I was about 210. I put on 20 pounds that first year. I got 230. By the time I graduated, I think the heavens that was like 248. You know, but, uh, I mean, just working with bats and drinking, uh, oh, protein. I drink so much protein. I literally throw it up. I mean, <laughs> oh God. I'm, I'm not even joking. They I wow. had cases upon cases. I literally get through. I would literally almost throw up looking at it. If they would, they would, they would make it in the blenders and give it to me. Like, oh my God. I can't take another, one. <laughs> but, uh, just trying to put on weight, pack on weight.
0: <clears throat> and what were you by the time you got to the NFL? I was about
2: the heaviest, like I think I, said, I about You say two fifty? I was two forty eight, two fifty. I think when I went to combine, I was like two fifty.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: What's crazy is I I played with uh, Keith Millard when he was with the Raiders. He was the coach. He was at Denver. I left Denver because he actually told me to go to Tampa <laughs> because he was like it was a better system for me. Then when he went to Raiders, he, they signed me with the Raiders. And he was there, and I was like, "I think I got too thick. I gotten a lot bigger, a lot thicker, just bulkier." He said, "Dude, you're way too heavy. You need to lose but That was the first time in my life somebody told me I need to lose ten fifteen pounds. So I was like, I'm like, "What?" <laughs> he told me I need to lose ten fifteen pounds. I'm looking at Keith like, "Are you serious?"
0: But uh Yeah. Do uh so. One of the, and I didn't cover Clemson back then, but in, in learning more about Nick, one of the, I guess, most remarkable things is is his academic achievement and, and community service mm-hmm. achievements. Like Stockstill was telling me that Nick, <coughs> that he uh, he had a he didn't have the right uh, the the high enough test score to qualify initially, and then he kept taking the test. He 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 then qualified. But he kept taking it because he had a goal that he wanted to mm-hmm. meet, and he, so he kept taking it until he got it to his goal. But then he gets to Clemson, and I, get, I guess the the influence <clears throat> of his of his parents and grandmother I think all of them have master's degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that rubbed off on him, and he was just so motivated. And then the community service part I mean, he was like a five time. Uh, ACC top six award winner in community service when he was at Clemson. I'm just curious for your perspective on watching him sort of blossom, I guess, as a as a you know in academics, but also in sort of caring for his fellow humans in his community.
2: Well, I'm telling you, Nick was like a like a rabbit, and I had to chase him. I'm telling you, he was so far ahead and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man, it was hard for me to try and keep up. I couldn't even keep up with him. But, yeah, community service, he did a lot. I'm telling you, the first, almost the first summer, when we first got there, once we got out of camp, I can honestly say me and Nick was in Central at some little league practice out there helping him with practice and talking. I mean, Nick, like Brian, come with me. We've got to go to Central. I was like, I don't want to in Central, league practice. (laughs) I told the guy that would come, like, what? So we're going out there. You know, It's about 20 little league players. I'm telling you, we just got here. We just got out of camp. We got class. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> you get me? And Nick's always started. I mean, it was like that all the time. Like, he was like, dude, what you doing? You uh, come out, come out here with me? They're doing the cookout or something. It was always something. He was always involved. I'm telling you, he was always involved. And if we went somewhere. I mean, goodness gracious. So like everybody knew Nick. Like, Nick, you'd think Nick was a quarterback or something.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, he stayed involved uh, with uh, the with, uh, local community. I know his community back home. and You know, you know he, he was like that. Jim, 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 he always stayed involved with some kind of community activity or, you know, just giving back. So your roommates? And, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was uh, a little bit of academics. Oh, yeah, he was uh, he was hard. Nick was a guy, I'm sure I'm remembering this right, we had Dickery Hall. And all freshmen had a team that first semester. Now, after the second semester, if you was, like, over a certain GPA, you didn't have to attend study hall. Nick put himself in study hall. If I, I think I remember it right. Nick put himself in study hall, you know, just so he, he would stay on top of himself, you know, grades. And he didn't have to. You know, he just went.
0: Wow. So, yeah. So. So y'all are roommates, uh, through your college career, I, I guess, let's go to draft night. Or, or I guess this was, I forgot the way they did the draft at that point. Was it, I don't know. I don't know uh, but either way, when you you're... It was two days. Okay. It
2: it wasn't three days to me. It was two days and it was all day long. Like, it was like the first through third round. And it was all day long. It started like 10 a.m. in the morning, I think. Maybe a little later. And it to like, it was night. So it was when, the next day they did, a, a, you know, round four through seven, and it was all day. And uh, I actually like that format better. So, yeah, Nick, you know, Nick had a lot of. Uh, I, didn't, I don't know if you know, Nick was on that show, Hey, Rookie, Welcome to the NFL. You could probably dig up footage of it. I know some of it's on YouTube, but it, 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 it's kind of funny. They followed him everywhere. We had the same agent, Gene Caselle, and, you know, it was like be like Nick have all these cameras and these people from NFL films following him because you know they was following these rookies around and I'd be like hey, we can't even eat you know I was like you know I'm just I'm just not even I'm just gonna eat by myself because I didn't want to just sit in front of the cameras and eat. But uh he had all of them at his house. So I mean I mean the draft night I know Nick was uh I thought he was gonna go first round. They had to get him first second round his uh his projections and uh, I remember I didn't. I, I remember he called me and told me that uh, I don't know, San Francisco. I think was, said it was going to take him in the second round, uh, and they didn't take them. It was like crazy. <laughs> like the coach from San Francisco called him, said, "Hey, we're going to take you uh, if you're available in I think next couple picks," and he didn't take him. Mm. So, I think I remember that right. I'm pretty sure that's it. You know, but uh, yeah, he was. I know he was home and. Toombs County, Macon, one of them little small towns. Yeah. <laughs> at, at his grandma's house, and he had NFL films there. So I know footage of it is Hey, rookie. I think it was the first year they did it, maybe second year. Hey, rookie, welcome to NFL. So. It's
0: mm-hmm. still on YouTube?
2: There's some shows on YouTube because I went in there, they interviewed me on it, and I went in there like, oh my God, look at that hair. <laughs> 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 look at that hair But, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, they had some episodes on YouTube.
0: So he gets picked, and then 14 picks later, you get picked by the Broncos, too. How, how crazy was that?
2: Yeah, It, it, it was really crazy because Nicky got drafted, and I was at my brother's house. My brother was like, uh, you know what, we we'll just cook on the grill and while we're waiting on the draft. My brother Mike, and uh, I remember he. Helped, I was helping him move a couch down the stairs from his upstairs. And I get a call. Yeah, I get a call from my agent. He's like, Hey, Brian. I was like, Yeah, yeah, I just saw Nick got drafted. <laughs> and brother, he was like, No, 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 no. Denver's about to take you. I was like, Yeah, I saw, I couldn't hear him. I was like, Yeah, I saw Nick got drafted in Denver Broncos. But he's trying to tell me no, Denver's calling about me now. And then as he's talking, I'm getting a beat from a 303 number. Oh, my god! I'm like, well, hold on. I got to answer this call. I answered, keep my law. He's like, hey, bud, uh, we're about to take you with the next pick. I'm like, what? You know, I was kind of shocked. I was moving. I, I saw he just got drafted. But I wouldn't expect you to go the Broncos right behind him, basically. So, yeah. So, that was, that was exciting. It was, you know, uh, you know. It was awesome. I mean, what, like, I don't know how many miles away from home, and I have somebody, you know, there that I know, so. How long were y'all
0: roommates there?
2: <clears throat> we actually, uh, a year.
0: A year. Mm-hmm. One year. Do you remember, I think, uh, so last week, Dabo Sweeney said he remembered, he remembers, uh, because Dabo came in as receivers coach that spring, mm-hmm. and he—I think he said he remembered visiting with Nick or watching Nick during his maybe his maybe y'all's pro day. Did they have pro days back then? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. They had pro day. Do you remember Dabo? Do you have any uh, recollection uh, of that? Of seeing Dabo or interacting I, with him I, at all?
2: I don't remember. There was so many people there, and so many. I mean, it, pro day is crazy. It's just like yeah. so much going on, and I actually I just told my uh, ham. Well, yeah, told my pulled my hamstring twice. I've never been really injured. You know, I had like ankles and you know sprained ankles, stuff like bruises. But but I pulled my hamstring training. I, I think I overdid it, just training, and training, and I actually pulled it two weeks before. I got hurt on pro days. So my pro day ended so fast, and yeah. uh, but I, I I don't really remember much about it. And uh, it could have been pro day. It could have been. I know teams came out and worked Nick out. Mm-hmm. Cause I actually, when I got healthier, San Francisco came out and worked him out. I actually, when I then worked out with him and the coach in San Francisco, so I'm not sure. I mean, it sound. I mean, he probably did.
0: Yeah. So, so as somebody who grew up pulling for Clemson, loving the tiger paws on the helmets as a first grader, and then as a player here when. You know, it was when are they gonna rediscover that lost glory that they had in the eighties and y'all were up and down? What is it what has it been like to see the last, I guess, decade, um, and then including of course two national titles, four trips to the national title game, six straight playoff appearances, and then here in a down year they win ten games. What has that yeah. been like for you sort of watching from afar as a Clemson guy?
2: I mean I mean, honestly, it's, it's I like unbelievable. Really, you know, growing up and, and thinking that the programs at the top would should be where I thought it would always be. You get me? I mean, I grew up in the '90s area where at Clemson, you know, uh, for the longest. I mean, you know, they would you know, they beat somebody really good, and then they come back and might have a, you know might lose to somebody ain't got no business losing to, you get me? Yeah. And it was like, you know, eight games, seven game wins, you know, up and down. And uh, you know, it's almost like, you know, you seen Florida State. And at that time, Florida State was a team. Yeah. And, and I mean, goodness gracious, I used to watch <laughs> Florida State. I watched Florida State when I was in high school. I was like, goodness, how can anybody beat these guys? You know, being at Miami who had a little role for a while, he's like, these guys. But then now you look at us and you're like, goodness gracious. I, I think we make them Florida State teams look like nothing. You know, when really, we really rolling, I'm yeah. like, we're like we're like the—I don't want to say we're like we're like the Clemson, we're like the Florida State of the '90s. And but you know, I hate to say that because I think we're better than Florida State. But you know, Florida State of the '90s, you know, like the Nebraska type run. So I mean, it's amazing. It makes you proud, you know, proud to wear your Clemson gear, proud to say you graduated from Clemson, you know. And uh, it, 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 it was awesome.
0: Um, do you, I, I guess, do you have any hopes of being a college coach, moving up the ladder, maybe even? You,
2: you- know, I actually, I got offered a coach, but it's Division Two in Allen downtown. Mm-hmm. Jackie Robinson played, at, you know, wide receiver from Orangeburg. They actually called and offered me a position there to coach defensive some line. And I told him, I'm pretty sure I'll take it. Once the school year's out, school years they're a little short-handed right now at the school with COVID and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, like I told them I definitely have to finish out this year. And uh, you know, but I'm pretty sure I'll be I'll be coaching football there next year.
0: This is this is at at uh... Allen Allen gotcha Allen University. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. In a third year, maybe fourth year of football. Yep. <coughs> Any other uh, Nick Easton recollections that that uh, that we haven't covered that, that stand out to you? Anything else that on your mind regarding regarding your good friend?
2: Well, then he was funny. He could eat a lot. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm serious. <laughs> hey, call call some of the guys down at and Man, oh God! <laughs> you know, Nick came in at 220 when he left. He was over 300 pounds. <laughs> Did you? I'm a- telling you, he wasn't he wasn't fat. I do he, he had a little gut, but he was not fat at all. He had he had abs on his gut. I used to pick at him. He had like abs <laughs> on his gut, but yeah, he, he was he was over three hundred pounds, man. Goodness, And I'm sitting there like barely barely pushing two forty. This guy man like he, he, you know, but uh, yeah, he ate, he ate. He would make me eat when I didn't want to eat. And I'm sweet, I'm not joking. Peter's going to diner let's going to diner. We got to go eat, man. You
0: know, come on. So he played bass guitar as well. Yeah. He does a little bit of everything. he, he, he used to play. He,
2: I know he had it at school a few times, but uh if he got to play in I probably disappeared. <laughs> <with. laughs> but he does play it.
0: Oh, that's that's really cool. Well, well well Brian, man, uh Spur of the Moment call. I, I really appreciate you sharing your time with us. This has been a fantastic conversation, and I hope to keep in touch with you, and man, best of luck uh, as as you continue to climb climb the coaching ladder. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, great stuff there from Brian McNeil, Rick Stockstall. Assist to Tim Beret for suggesting that I call Brian McNeil. That was totally off my radar until Mr. Beret recalled that McNeil and Nick Eason were so close. Appreciate the support of our very loyal sponsors for helping Make this thing happen, but most of all, thanks to all of you. Really appreciate y'all hitting play every week. We will actually be back later this week. Already have an interview scheduled, so stay tuned for that. Cheers.